it's a chancy job, and it makes a man watchful and a little lonely. Come on in for an evening of poems and stories about the American West. A land of legend, of romance, of friendship and courage. A motherload of remembrance. A true showcase of the Old West with the old cowboy, J.C. Holsey. On March the 21st, 1882, Gilbert M. Anderson, the first Western movie star, is born in Little Rock, Arkansas. He was better known as Bronco Billy, the name of the Western hero he played in over 300 short films. Anderson was the first Western movie star. Furthermore, he played several small parts in one of the first movies ever made, The Great Train Robbery in 1903. Anderson won a role as a bandit in the film after telling the director he could ride like a Texas Ranger. When it became clear that Anderson could hardly get on a horse, he was made an extra in the movie and played several minor parts. Later that year, the 10-minute movie received an enthusiastic reception from the public, and Anderson decided to make a career in the promising new business of telling stories and moving pictures. Anderson moved to Chicago, which was becoming a minor movie-making center. After a few years of directing and occasionally starring in movies produced by others, Anderson decided to create his own production company. He formed a partnership with old friend George K. Spoor in 1907. They created the S&A Company, which would later be credited as one of the best of the early movie studios. At first, Anderson made comedies, but then he remembered the brilliant success of the great train robbery, so he eventually turned to westerns. He was one of the first movie producers that realized the public needed a central character in the movies, a star, so to speak, on which they could focus their attention. In 1909, there were no movie stars and stage actors were reluctant to risk films. Anderson decided to become the star himself, creating the character Bronco Billy. In 1909, Anderson released his first western, Bronco Billy and the Baby. It was an enormous success and convinced Anderson that he should stick with westerns starring the Bronco Billy character. Over the next five years, Anderson made over 300 short one or two reel movies featuring Bronco Billy. Physically, Anderson was not especially handsome or dashing, but audiences loved him for his courageous virtue and bravery. In 1915, Anderson released his last film in the series, Bronco Billy's Sentence, and thereafter turned to writing. A few years later, he attempted a comeback, but by then the Western field was dominated by more dashing actors like Tom Mix and William S. Hart. He did make comedies for several years before retiring. He was later recognized and honored for his pivotal role in the development of the Western movie. In 1965, he made a cameo appearance in a modern Hollywood Western called The Bounty Killer, his first talking picture. Anderson died in his sleep on January the 20th, 1971, at the age of 88. I think it's about time for some music. What do you say? This is Brian Gale singing Little Cabin in the Pines. I build a fire in the fireplace We got a bottle of our most favorite wine We've escaped for the weekend to a little cabin nestled in the pines 
Outside, the rain is falling. Inside, we're safe, we're fine. There's just me and you with nothing but loving to do in a little cabin nestled in the pines. Well, it's a shame we've only got the weekend to escape from the bills and the kids and the salesman lines to make love by the light of the fire in a little cabin nestled in the pines. Kitchen table, thinking about a little cabin nestled in the pines. Well, it's a shame we've only got the weekend to escape from the bills and the kids and the salesman lines to make love by the light of the fire in a little cabin nestled in the pines. We'll make love by the light of the Fire tonight in a little cabin nestled in the pine. Thanks so much, Brian. That was a good one. We're always looking for singers and poets for the Wild West Showdown, so why don't you send an email to jc at outlawspublishing.com or jc at theoldcowboy.net. Let us know you got some music or some poems you'd like to have us have on the show. My sidekick, GPS, and me traveled to Bowser City, Louisiana this past weekend for the 2016 Third Annual Festival of Books and Business Extravaganza. Now, I gotta be honest with you folks. I was disappointed from the time I got there until, uh, well, I'll tell you about that a little later. It was a safe trip, and GPS guided us right up to the front door of the motel. The young lady behind the desk was very polite and courteous. She apologized for having to put an old man in a room on the third floor. I didn't fuss until I got around to the back of the motel and looked up at the third floor. She had told me it was right next to the elevator. Well, I don't know how they measure things in Louisiana, but here in Texas, the way we measure things, it sure wasn't next to no elevator. Also, there was a swimming pool between me and that elevator. Well, this old cowboy don't mind fussing now, so I went back to the nice young lady and explained the situation to her. However, she explained that was the only room available. Well, I asked for a refund so I could go someplace else. It seems since I didn't book through them, but I booked through Expedia or something like that, she couldn't give me a refund. I wasn't very happy, folks, and I told her so. But you know, I don't think she cared. I drove back around to the back of the motel. I lugged my suitcase and my briefcase the distance around the pool and got into that little bitty stinky elevator. I stepped off the elevator and there in front of me was room 316. My room is 302. I stumbled down to 302 and put my stuff inside, then went back to my truck for the rest of my stuff. Now, I'm still upset about this situation, but I'm going to try to make the best of it. Now, when I made this reservation on the phone, they told me they didn't have a king-size bed, but I could get two regular-size beds $10 cheaper. 
Well, it don't take no genius to figure out if I can save $10, I'm going to do it. Let me explain it this way. We just purchased a three-quarter size bed for our great-granddaughter. And I don't think those regular size beds were as big as the one we purchased. Now, I'm six foot four, and I don't think I've been in a regular size bed since the first week of our marriage. I do know this. I ain't going to do it again. It was the worst night I've had in a very, very long time. The next morning, I wanted to put some ice in my ice chest so I could have some cold water at the event. Uh, you've already guessed what I'm fixing to tell you. The ice machine was broke on the third floor. So I went in that little stinky elevator and went down to the second floor, got my ice, back up to the third floor, stumbled down the hallway, down to my room. Then I went down to enjoy that free continental breakfast. First I had a bowl of Fruit Loops and one of those motel waffles that consist of rubber, I think. Then I went to check out and asked for a receipt. It seems since I made the reservation through Expedia, the motel can't give me no receipt. Well, I left the premises in a very foul mood. I arrived at the vent and I helped them set up the tables. Let me fill in on a little bit here. It rained and stormed all night long, which is never good for an event. And they said the Blue Angel Air Show was also happening that day. We got all set up. Ain't many folks here. Ain't no folks to buy our products. I was getting a little more agitated the longer I sat there. However, each of us did get to go to the front and tell about ourselves and our products. But still, there weren't any folks there to buy anything. I'll tell you what, folks, I was getting ready to pack up and leave. And I ain't never going back to Louisiana. Then something happened. The folks that were there started coming to my table and started buying books. Some told me how much my talk inspired them. Some wanted to talk to me about publishing their books. What happened? I began asking myself. I'm actually enjoying myself now, and I sold more books at this event than any other event I've been to. Perhaps things happened the way they did to make me realize that maybe I'm not the one in charge. Will I go back to Louisiana again? Probably will. Now let's visit with our guest. We want to welcome to the Wild West Showdown today, poet Glenn Enlow, the old cowpoke. Glenn Enlow? Yeah, this is Glenn. This is J.C. Halsey at the Wild West Showdown. Yeah. Let's start off, you tell me a little bit about yourself, where you were born, where you grew up, and where you're living now. Well, I'm one of those rare people that was born in Independence, Missouri, and I still live in Independence, Missouri, and been here about most of my life, really. Are you married? Do you have children? Yeah, I've been married for about 36 years now. In fact, we just had celebrated anniversary Tuesday. Well, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I've got three children, one girl and two boys, and two grandchildren and another grandson on the way here soon. You have a very unique talent, or uh, I don't know if we call it a talent. You do leather tooling. For those that don't understand leather tooling, explain it to us. Well, yeah, I do like holsters and some leather inserts for uh, boot jacks and little miniature holsters for cell phones that I've sold quite a few of. And basically, you just get a piece of leather and you uh, you wet it down and you have usually have a pattern on some special paper that you trace whatever you're going to carve into that. Then you go with the cutting knife and make the kind of fairly deep cut and then you go get your, your tools and you basically just tool it by using a, a mallet and... It's uh, kind of a sometimes a tedious process, but it's kind of relaxing, and I enjoy it. Okay. How many times have you hit your finger? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not too many times. Uh, no. I used to do some wood carving, too, and I cut my finger every now and then. So mm -hmm. 
little safer than uh, wood carving. But. I mentioned that's quite a unique talent that you have. Do you feel like that's maybe a lost art today since all of the machinery is taking care of stuff like that? Yeah, pretty much. It, it kind of, you know, boomed in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. I really hadn't taken it up here till uh, you know, last few years. I never had done it before. Oh, was that but right? I had an art background, so it was fairly easy, although I'm not sure I'm all that great. But mm-hmm. well, What did you do before you did this? I had various hobbies. Of course, I, my first love was art, mm-hmm. and, uh, and then I kind of drifted into writing. And The first thing I wrote were song lyrics, and I determined I was a terrible songwriter, and I started mm-hmm. writing these poems, and they got some response from those and had some published early, so kind of spurred me on. Do you see any of your children uh, wanting to follow in your dad's footsteps in this leather work or writing poetry? Well, not the leather work. I do have one son who has written a book, and he does write poetry. Uh Okay. And another son uh, doesn't really do any writing, but he's a singer. He kind of takes after my wife, and, you know, she sings. Okay. He's in the Kansas City Chorale, which has won two Grammys, and it's, you know, like classical music and opera type. Oh, okay. He's pretty proficient in that, so. Are you a I singer? I never sing. Oh, you can't, no. you can't sing? No, I wouldn't attempt it, no. You said you, you wrote songs and didn't succeed at it, and yet you write poetry. Tell us the difference between poetry and a song. Well, of course, uh, when I started with the song lyrics, I was rhyming everything, and actually I had a couple recorded that I paid for, and they were pretty bad. <laughs> okay. No response from them, and then I got into poetry, and for some reason I got into the free verse poetry. I wrote free verse for about 30 years, and really didn't start rhyming again till about 2002 when I got into cowboy poetry. And now I rhyme better. <laughs> Did you mention you were about 15 years old when you wrote your first poem? Yeah, yeah, first song lyric, yeah. Okay. I'm not sure why I started. Oh, I think I was influenced by probably the popular Beatles songs at the time and Simon and Garfunkel. I always liked the, the lyrics, you know, the words more mm-hmm. than the music. Really. Sure. Do you still have a copy of that first one, or, or could you recite a little bit of it? Oh, the, <laughs> the lyric, song lyric? Sure, oh, no. the, the first one that you did. Oh, gosh. You didn't throw it away, did you? It's probably buried in my closet I was going to say, don't, <laughs> don't throw anything away. <laughs> No, I haven't. Yeah, I've got journals and yeah. diaries and tons of poetry and prose pieces and okay. a couple of novels. <laughs> you published some books. How did it make you feel when you held that first book in your hand and saw your name as the author? That's a great feeling, really. It's, uh, yes. Something to kind of dream about that you never really think is going to happen, but then it does. Has there ever been a time when you've gotten discouraged and says, I just can't do this no more? When I was writing free verse, and I had some success and won some awards and published in a lot of you know, literary journals, but then I got kind of burnt out. I don't know. I just quit writing for a while, and then I you know, ran into the cowboy poetry, and that kind of renewed my interest and sparked a new creative flame, and I think I've written like over 700, probably 800 cowboy poems in the ensuing years. Mm-hmm. If a person's got that talent, I don't think you can stop. I don't think, I don't think that talent's going to let you stop. Yeah, when I quit the free verse, I did write more prose and you know, some short stories at the yeah. time, kind of fill the gap. Where do you get your ideals or your inspiration for writing these poems? Well, you kind of get it from everywhere, like, you know, the media and, like, books you read and television. And sometimes the phrase runs through your mind, and I've even gone to bed, and all of a sudden these phrases run through my mind, and I have to set up and 
on a piece of paper and write them down for uh. them because before, like I think, well, I'm going to remember that the next day, and I don't. Oh no, so no. I write it down. <laughs> if you don't write it down, it's gone. Maybe. Yeah, that's the way it works. How long does yeah. it normally take you to write a poem? On the old free verse, it took me quite a while. I continually revise them, and some of them I do revisions of you know, like 15 or 20 times, and even then I felt like I didn't get it right. And with cowboy poetry, I'm a little freer, and I usually don't spend as much time. I might write a second draft or a third, and that's about it. And oh, occasionally there's one that I'll write five or six drafts of just to get it the way I want it. Mostly it's usually the first draft anymore. Do you have any plans for another book in the near future? I have been thinking again I may uh, get some together and come out with a new book in the future or All right. maybe do some kind of a fictional. Are you self-published or do you have a publisher? Yeah, mostly uh, self-published. Have you ever considered writing something besides poetry, say a novel? Yeah, I actually have a old novel deep in my closet somewhere, a Western novel. Yeah. And I've been thinking about digging that out and seeing if it's worth revising. And I, I even did a gothic novel years ago. That's oh, okay. Lost somewhere in my stuff, but I don't think <laughs> that wasn't too good. So I don't think I'll do anything with that. And I've, yeah, I've thought about doing another novel, but I don't know. Now that I'm retired, I have more time, but making yourself do it is another matter. Well, do you know, as Larry the Cable Guy says, get her done. Just do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I should. What kind of books do you read? Zane Gray and Lee Lamore. And I used to read a lot of science fiction when I was a kid. And got me, well, I never tried to see any science fiction novels. But mm-hmm. I did enjoy that when I was a kid, but kind of grew out of that. And I read a lot of the classics. I'm kind of a big fan of Charles Dickens, things like Atlas Shrugged, and just kind of a wide variety, really. When you was a kid, did you go to the Saturday afternoon matinee? Yeah, I was real small. Parents would dress me up in, you know, a cowboy shirt and the cowboy boots. If I'd watch Roy Rogers and Gene Autry and Hopalong Cassidy, Hoppy was my favorite for some reason, but I liked them all. Yeah, and then yeah, I'd watch the old uh, B-Westerns and mm-hmm. the movies and then on TV. And I had an uncle we took care of for a while. And he'd sit there every Saturday and watch the old Westerns. I'd kind of watch some of them along with him. And okay. I still enjoy watching the old B-Westerns. Sure. Do you remember how much it cost to get in that matinee and how much popcorn cost? Oh, gosh. No. Been, been a long time, hasn't it? <laughs> I remember taking 15 cents and, and getting in the movie and buying popcorn and staying there all day long. So. <laughs> yeah. You said you enjoy watching Westerns even today, is that correct? Yeah, I still watch them. And, yeah, like, of course, John Wayne and all the, you know, Clint Eastwood and some of the modern ones. Did you have a favorite TV show? Yeah, I'd, I'd watch quite a few. Like, of course, I used to watch The Rifleman when I was oh, yeah. you know, young. That was one of my favorites. And, uh, and of course, Rawhide. Yeah. Watch that quite a bit, and Wagon Train. Okay, do you have a favorite out of all of them? Probably The Rifleman, because uh, The Rifleman reminded me of my dad. Okay. Uh, big, tall guy with <laughs> yeah. square jaw. You didn't mess with him, so. What was your favorite treat as a kid, like candy, cake, something like that? I kind of like those little button candies on the paper. Like little buttons, take those off, and I like the little wax bottles with the hmm. sugary stuff inside. Well, what's your favorite treat today? Pie, isn't it? Pie, what's your favorite flavor of pie? Oh, probably apple. What advice would you give to a young man or a young woman that wants to be an author? You know, I see a lot of people that think they want to write, but they just won't sit down and do it, or they have some ideas, but they're kind of lazy and they don't really, you know, want to get it done. They don't want to put in the work of the time. So writing is something you really have to work at. 
Yes, it is. It's not working like a job, though, is it? It's it's fun. <laughs> oh, no. No, you get caught up in it, and you lose track of time when yes. it's going well. And... Okay, do you do your publicity yourself? Well, this one company, they, they do some, and get my books on Amazon, and do some minor things. And Okay. Okay, you're on Facebook. You're on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, I'm the old cowpoke on uh, Twitter. Do you have any other ways that folks can t- contact you? So I do have a, a WordPress site at glenenlowpoetry.wordpress.com, and uh, you can also find a section of my poetry on uh, cowboypoetry.com. All right. And poetrysoup.com. Do you mind giving out your email address if somebody wanted to email you? Oh no, that's fine. It's just l. Glenn Enloe, it's L-G-L-E-N-E-N-L-O-E at yahoo.com. Do you have a favorite out of all your poetry that you've written? Do you have, can you name one that stands out above all the rest? Probably Borders End, I kind of like that. It's kind of a literary, or a literary type of cowboy. While we're talking, how much education do you have, if you don't mind sharing with me? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I graduate. I have a BS in the commercial art of all things. Oh, uh, you just said some BS. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bachelor of science. <laughs> yeah, but that sounds different, don't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe we better call it bachelor of science. <laughs> yeah, yeah sounds a little better. Because an old cowboy, yeah. uh, any old cowboy's got a BS degree. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Do you have a, a short poem there that you could recite for us right now? Here's Tending Fence. When cares of the world are heavy and your soul and body are tense, you ride on out to the far line and watch the sky as you tend fence. Some might say you're just killing time, that you're lazy and drawing pay, but you know you're doing your best to make it through another day. They think you're talking to yourself and that you've lost all of your sense, but right now there's no other place. You'd rather be than tending fence. When the day comes and you'll live no more, and you'll wait his magnificence, you'll ride for all eternity for your new boss, just tending fence. That's great, Glenn. That's great. Thank you. We want to thank you for being on the Wild West Showdown today with us, and I want to give a special invitation from the old cowboy to the old cowpoke to come back and visit with us any time. Well, sounds good to me. All right, we'll talk to you later. Let's listen now to Charlie Stout singing Dust and Wind. 500 golden pieces and a shoulder full of lead. A worn out horse between my feet, a pounding in my head. Gotta make it to the border. Lord, this ain't no place to die. On the river's northern shore, underneath the Texas sky. I see stars, I see Ocotillo blowing in the wind Feel the breathing of my pony, I know we've reached the end Hear hoofbeats in the distance, and the shouts of angry men Other rangers may surround me, they'll never take me in My shoulder burns like hellfire, this horse too tired to ride I kick and curse and dig the spurs up hard against his side He's screaming like a banshee Running fast as he can go From the posse trying to catch me To the land of Mexico I see stars, I see Ocotillo Blowing in the wind Feel the breathing of my pony I know we've reached the end Hear hoofbeats in the distance And the shouts of angry men All the rangers may surround me They'll never take me in 
finally quit me. We fall hard upon the dirt. The rangers point their shotguns at the pocket on my shirt. I reach slow for my revolver. The captain tips his hat. I kiss the sacred cylinder. I draw the hammer back. I see stars. I see Ocotillo blowing in the wind. Feel the breathing of my pony. I know we've reached the end. Hear of beats in the distance and the shouts of angry men. Oh, the rangers may surround me. They'll never take me in. Oh, the rangers may surround me. They'll never take me in. Now the angels, they surround me. Mother Mary, take me in. Thanks so much, Charlie, for sharing that with us. Now, I'm going to talk about the same thing today that I always talk about in every show. That's the way these bogus publishing companies take advantage of authors. I met some authors at this event I just went to that paid thousands of dollars to some unscrupulous publisher because they wanted to see their books in print. As I've said in the past, I understand that desire. I understand that passion to see your name on a book as an author. But please... Please don't jump at the first offer you get. Please don't pay your hard-earned money to fulfill that desire. There's an easier and less painful way to get your book published without paying out any money. I've said this many times. You can publish your book yourself and use that money to buy something else. Well, I don't know how to format a book or I can't create a cover and so forth and so on. That's what I keep hearing. We'll find you a publisher that'll do all those things for you at no cost. One young lady asked how much royalty she'd receive if she signed with the Outlaws franchise. I explained it to her, and she considered that as a cost to be published. However, if she can't format or she can't create a cover, she's going to have to pay somebody to do that. And let me tell you this, folks, those things ain't cheap. The way I look at it, if you let the publisher format, you let a publisher create a cover, you let a publisher publicize your book, then sharing the royalty with them seemed like a very fair deal. By the way, I happen to know a publisher that will do all these things for a share of the royalties. And let me say, the royalties with us is a whole lot better than the 12 to 15% that these so-called publishers give you. If anybody out there would like to talk more about this publishing business, send me an email, jc at outlawspublishing.com or jc at theoldcowboy.net. Before we close out the show, I want to share with you a poem written by my older sister. As I told you before, Juanita was a very talented person, and she's not with us anymore to share her poetry, so I'm going to do that far. This is one out of a very full notebook. It's called Someday. Well, I made a list of things I'm going to do someday, and honey, they all concern you. Someday I'll leave. Someday I'll make you cry. Someday I'm going to pack, and I'm going to say goodbye. When I break your heart, you'll say it's a crime. But honey, you've broken mine, time after time. I'll have no mercy or care for you anymore. When you cry hard and big, I'll walk out the door. Yes, someday these things I'm sure going to do. But till then, oh honey, I'll stay right here with you. We want to give a special thanks to our guest, Glenn Enlow, for visiting with us and sharing one of his poems. And thanks to Brian Gale and Charlie Stout for allowing us to share their music with all you folks. How about getting up real close now for some good old cowboy wisdom? 
live simply, love generously, care deeply, speak kindly, and leave the rest up to the Lord. This is the old cowboy saying adios and happy trails. Come on back next week to the Wild West Showdown with the old cowboy J.C. Holsey. Thank you.